Hey there, I'm Graham Parker, and you're listening to the Around Pickens Podcast. Well, folks, it's official. We finally had our first day of summer. Of course, if you're a parent, your children have probably been enjoying summer for about a month now. Let me ask you, how much of it have they been enjoying outdoors or with kids their own age? I ask because I saw a report by the Surgeon General recently that concluded, among other things, that young people are having something like 70% less social interactions than they did two decades ago. It's kind of dramatic, and statistics tell us that it's leading to increased rates of things like loneliness and difficulty developing social skills. Obviously, it's a pretty complex problem, and I don't want to simplify it. But I would like to use it as a jumping-off point to draw your attention to a great resource we have here in Pickens. And that's our Recreation Department. The Recreation Department not only helps to organize youth sports, but provides clean, safe spaces for all kinds of activities. Whether you're looking for a place to host a birthday, learn how to quilt, or play a little pickleball, our community center and local parks have you covered seven days a week. And that's no small feat. It takes a dedicated team and a whole lot of help from the community to make it happen. I set out to talk about that with Brian Jones, our recreation director. Brian has been our rec director since 2013, and in that time he has had to wear a lot of different hats. I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago to talk about some of those hats, as well as improvements coming to Roper Park, and about the staff and volunteers that keep everything running. So come on along, and let's learn a little bit about the ins and outs of Parks and Recreation. So, you know, Brian, I think I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't ask you, as a Parks and Rec director, do you find that the show Parks and Rec is true to life to what you do? So I'll be honest, I've never actually watched um, full episodes of Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. I've seen the snippets on YouTube or TikTok and stuff like that, but I've never actually watched a full show. Um, Yeah, I've (laughs) I've never really watched that much. I understand. I was always more of an office person. Um, I don't know. They took it off Netflix. I don't really see myself seeing it. But uh, I don't know. Do, Do you find any similarities between you and Ron Swanson or anything like that? The fact that Ron Swanson doesn't want to be bothered 90% of the time, I, I can feel that on a spiritual level, absolutely, mm. because it's just it's constantly um, somebody needing something, somebody wanting something, or just trying to diffuse a situation the best you can. Yeah, yeah, I bet that's tough. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming out here in the middle of summer. I, I bet you got your hands full right now. So it has been busy. Um, right now we are... We're not running the summer camp program, but we're helping Boys and Girls Club facilitate theirs, whether it's the use of our pool or our fields or even our gymnasiums. We try to help them. Um, I go and pick up their lunches in the afternoons and deliver them to the Boys and Girls Club so they can free up a staff member to stay there with the kids. And then also at the same time, we're also getting our football program up and going. We ended registration last month, but we've already started doing some things where coaches can have voluntary practices but not mandatory practices this this early in the summertime Hmm. tell me from a big picture point of view what uh what all are you responsible for what do you manage and who are the staff to help you out with that all right so pcrd manages youth sports in pickens county and what that encompasses is the sports that we deal with on a year-to-year basis which is be um, basketball in the wintertime uh, baseball softball t-ball in the springtime and then football in the fall at time area. Now we do help with soccer. Um, UFA uses our soccer fields, but we don't actually run the program. And then in order to make all that work, uh, we have nine full-time employees. And then beyond that, we have a lot of part-time help, whether it's at the pool, whether it's helping 
referee, whether it's, you know, just helping us on game day at football, our part-time encompasses a lot of our staff. I bet it does. Do you, do you find that you have more part-time help during the summer or during the fall? It really depends on what our kids are doing as far as our staffing levels go. Um, a lot of our staff members who are part-time are also football players or they're doing softball. So football and softball both run during the fall. So it can be difficult to try to find um, people to help. But normally during the fall, we're usually based on Saturdays only. So nothing really during the week where I need their help. Now we get into springtime because we play, you know, baseball and softball, t-ball during the weekdays and not on the weekends. It seems to be a little bit easier to, to fill those volunteer or, you know, uh, part-time hours. Um, Basketball is probably the same, you know, but we run up a lot of our uh, workers also play high school basketball. So trying to fill, you know, those hours can be difficult. Yeah, I bet it is. So a lot of what you do is managing the facilities to just make sure that these sports happen. Correct. How, how much, beyond that, are you, are you like really involved very much? So it just depends, um, depending on vacations and stuff like that. You know, you'll see me on mowers every now and then. Um, it just really depends on what the guys need. And if they're crunched for time, like right now, we're heavy into mowing grass. Mm-hmm. And with all the facilities that we manage, it can be, especially when people have to have a day off, because what people may not know is we're open seven days a week. And that's very, that's very challenging as a staff um, to be able to be open seven days a week and have somebody there, whether it's to answer the phones and things of that nature. So, you know, while you won't see me lining fields unless there's an emergency, you know, I do occasionally mow grass, and I'll be perfectly honest, mowing grass one day is just the most cathartic, you know, just put your head down and just mow, and it can be very relaxing to mow all day long sometimes. Yeah, I, so. I, I can imagine that it is. Uh, t- tell me about the facilities you oversee. Like, obviously there is the uh, community center, but w- what, what all grounds do you cover? All right, so at Roper Park itself, we have – the community center, and that's where we have our administration offices at. And then also um, we host basketball games in our gymnasiums as well. Um, a part of the community center, we have classrooms. Those classrooms have everything from fitness classes to quilting classes to just a little bit of everything. We also do rentals for parties and things of that nature, and that's just at the community center. So once you step outside, that's when you get to Roper Park at large, which, which has been there for, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And it encompasses eight ball fields, um, everything from an adult size, uh, two adult size fields. And then from there, we got the rest of the fields that, you know, serve either softball or baseball. And then so eight total fields. And we play baseball, softball, and t-ball on those fields. Along with that, we also have the walking track, which I'll get into later. It's actually being redone and worked on this week. Um, We also have pavilions that are on the property at Roper, and then also the uh, county pool that's uh, been in existence since 1986. That's a challenge in itself and could be a whole conversation on that. Um, And that's pretty much Roper at large. And then beyond Roper, we also um, have an IGA with the city of Jasper. We basically maintain the city ball fields, we cut and drag the ball fields for our use, whether it be travel teams practicing on them or whether it just be, you know, our teams needing the extra space. And then after that, 
we have the soccer complex, which is commonly referred to as the old high school football field. Um, we have been managing that for probably the past two years. And with that field, we are able to move all soccer to have its own dedicated space. So I grew up playing football on that field, but now we've converted it to just soccer only. So that's uh, where we uh, play all of our soccer games at. And then beyond that, um, that's pretty much all we manage for right now. So it sounds like, uh, you know, sometimes it sounds like not a lot, but when you've got a staff of nine and only three full-time maintenance members, it can be challenging getting them all, you know, to other places. And we also mow grass at the um, the uh, railroad station in um, Talking or, or in Tate. So we, we could do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it really sounds like it. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you've you started to touch on this. I know from being in department head meetings with you that there's been a lot of upgrades to different amenities around Roper Park. Can you walk us through some of the things that you have going on over there? So probably in the past couple of years, we have been actively trying to make the experience at Roper Park a better situation for everybody. Um, for years, we only had two lit fields at Roper. And those fields were fields two and three, and the lights were very old. And my goal when I was first hired was trying to get all the fields possibly lit. Um, unfortunately, it took around 10 years to make that happen. But with the passing of the Splost, um, we have uh, over a six-year period allocated $3.6 million. And with that, we have been slowly and methodically picking at some of the items that we think need to be addressed and upgraded as quickly as possible. Um, so we started working on the lighting project. It was probably probably around the end of COVID, just trying to get the idea of what we wanted to do, what we wanted to light. And then once we finally pulled the trigger on that, probably a year and a half, two years ago, um, it was trying to get everything in the process of getting all the stuff delivered to the park, whether it was wire that took forever, whether it was switches for the lights, which took forever. Um, but once they got on site, it went pretty fast. But um, now we've got all the ball fields lit and we have the lower soccer field lit as well, which is basically our multi-purpose field. So that's been huge. Um, I, I say it all the time, we were one of the worst lit parks in North Georgia and now with new LED lighting for all of our fields, we're one of the best lit fields. So that, that helps tremendously. Along with the lighting project, the other big complaints we get is definitely the walking track. Walking track has been around for several, several years, and it's just deteriorating, whether it's just you know sloping or whether it's tree roots growing through the actual surface itself. So um, We've been working on trying to uh, get bids for re repairing the, the walking track, <clears throat> and that will actually happen starting this week. Um, we've got a gentleman coming out there who's going to tear up the entire walking track and lay fresh asphalt, and it's going to connect to the community center, which will be huge um, to actually be able to walk from the community center down to the ball fields and not have to actually go off into the grass and mud area. Mm -hmm. So, And then past that, that's um that's something for the recreation board as well as the uh, board of commissioners to figure out where we go next um, we've got ideas um, one of the biggest limitations that we have at roper park is we're very very narrow if you don't know anything about the park it used to be a former airport so it, it kind of looks like that on the surface so 
With that, we don't have the availability of property to get wide. We're very limited by that corridor. Um, we've had some groups who want bathrooms and we need bathrooms desperately bad. We also need parking. When you start doing parking plus bathrooms and we desperately need a shop, um, we're so spread out with our equipment. We've got pieces of equipment in literally every little outbuilding that we have down there. So the next, the next iteration of what we're going to spend spots money on is going to be something along the lines of either a shop or it could be uh, more bathrooms. It could be um, doing new pavilions. I mean, it's the, we, we've got some monies available after we get done with the walking track. So we're excited to see what the Recreation Advisory Board will meet this Wednesday has in mind, as well as the Board of Commissioners. Nice. You know, um, it seems to me, and, and I don't know too much about it, but it seems like the community center is a really modern, premier uh, kind of a center to host things. So it, it sounds great that you're upgrading, you know, the uh, outside to sort of match that. But uh, speaking of the Recreation Board, I don't, I'm not really familiar with the role that they play with your department. So the Recreation Advisory Board is advisory in nature. Um, I can only hear and see so many things. Um, our board is made up of not only parents, but stakeholders in the community. And they hear and they see things that I may not be made aware of. So we try to meet quarterly as much or as much as possible. And they'll bring ideas, comments. If they've heard of issues that needs to be brought, maybe it's a rule change. Maybe there's something that you know, we weren't aware of when we were initially starting the sports season that midway we had to make a change rule-wise um, to make it a better situation for the kids and the parents. So, so while they're advisory in nature, a lot of their ideas, one of their biggest ideas was, you know, the lights. I mean, they were a champion for getting new LED lighting at Roper. And then right along with that was the walking track. So typically when the rec board makes a recommendation or advises me in a role, but, you know, we try to take that to fruition because they hear and see things that we may not get on a day-to-day basis. It's a nine-member board. Um, we've got parents on there. We've got former um, high school basketball coaches. We got our new one of our new members is the head baseball coach. So we've got a good contingent of baseball, football, basketball knowledge on that board. Yeah, it it really sounds like the community at large really drives a lot of what you guys do. Yes. So do you uh, do you find that you you have a lot of really um, a really good base of volunteers and voices? Um, and I know the people that I know personally, they're always going to get a call from me every single year we have ball season because having volunteers to coach, if there was one thing that I would say that's my biggest challenge, it's finding coaches every single year. Um, and it's not for, you know, having a lack of knowledge in the community because that's not the case at all. I think it's the sometimes putting oneself out there to, you know, make mistakes and to try to teach kids, you know, about the love of sport, that sometimes it puts people off. And finding volunteers to coach every single year, and, you know, I typically, if I have a coach who's going to coach for me in softball, I'm probably going to see if he wants to coach me in football. If he does football, I'm probably going to ask him to coach basketball. Now, their knowledge may not be great at that sport, but they're good people. 
And that's really what we look for in all of our volunteers. We just look for, you know, parents. And, and sometimes it's not parents. Sometimes it's kids who just got out of high school or kids who are in college that just are there for the right reasons and have a good disposition and just want to teach kids how to play sports and to fall in love with sports. So while I'd love to have an entire staff full of people who played, you know, Division One football or basketball or baseball, it's not really what we're looking for. We're just looking for people who have the right mindset because everything we do at the recreation department is we're working on skill training, whether it's, you know, from the bottom of the group at T-ball all the way up to 11, 12. We're still a recreational league that's working on skill development. Hopefully those skills will translate into possibly making a junior high or the high school, but um, we're not looking for, you know, coaches who know a lot about sports. We're just looking for good people who want to help kids. Yeah. You know, um, hearing you describe that, I, I could see how some people would see that as a thankless job, having to uh, maybe overcome not having the best knowledge of the sports and having to deal with people who disagree uh, with the calls that they're making. But I, I can also see how deeply rewarding that would be just to watch kids grow, uh, not only in their own skills, but just their love of sports. So somebody with that sort of disposition, how would they go about uh, volunteering? So the best way to go about volunteering itself is, you know, come in, talk to either me or one of my staff members and request a criminal background check form. Um, what we'll do is we'll run that background check form, make sure there's nothing that, that will preclude you from actually coaching. And then if we have a chance um, to talk to them, you know, to see where, where their mindset is, see what they're in it for. Um, and it, it can be deeply rewarding. Um, you know, my favorite thing, you know, when I coach uh, you know, girls basketball is if after we're out of the season, if they still recognize me and they still want to talk to me. So that that's rewarding. Um, but just, you know, coming and talking to us, get the criminal background check form filled out, and just, you know, having a love for not only sports, but just wanting to, you know, teach kids the game because it's not about wins and losses. You know, ultimately a lot of people want to drive it down to that singular point that it is about wins and losses, but it's really not. It's about, you know, getting these kids active, getting them off of their devices and getting them to, you know, sometimes put themselves in uncomfortable situations in sports where you're going to win, you're going to lose, you know, there's going to be heartache, but it's, it's just truly, I'm a child of, of athletics and that, that has greatly shaped the person that I am today. And my hopes is that, you know, maybe we can do that for the kids in Pickens County and we need volunteers who have that kind of mindset that, well, maybe we don't. Maybe we're not the best team in the league, but we're going to have fun, and the kids are going to want to play next year. And that's the biggest thing. You know, Chris Parker, who was the former high school football coach here at Pickens, you know, his big thing was, you know, make it fun, and more importantly, make them want to play the next year. So if you make it to where they hate it, they're not going to play, and the numbers are going to start dropping. So make it where they want to come back and play the next year. That's our most important thing. Man, that sounds like a really solid mission. Um, beyond the sports that you help to organize, though, I know – you host a lot of uh, things at the community center, things like karate, yoga, English language classes. How do you decide what to host and how would someone who is interested in having something hosted there go about getting that done? So the biggest thing is I don't decide it at all. So, oh. I mean, it, it honestly it revolves around um, what type of uh, space we have and what they need as far as to conduct whatever class they're looking to. I mean, we're a taker, literally a taker of all comers since I've been there 
we've tried, you know, Zumba, we've tried all sorts of other classes, and sometimes it'll hit and sometimes it won't. Um, our two longest that have been there is Karen Dobson and Richard Bruce. Uh, Karen does the fitness classes and yoga, and then Richard does um, karate. And they've been there as long as I've been hired. In um, 2013, they've been there. And they're the longest tenured classes that we offer at the rec. But um, if anyone's interested and wants to do something, um, just come and talk to me. Normally what we do is uh, we'll give you the space for free as long as we can find space to make it happen. Um, and then if it takes off, then we'll look at you know taking a nominal fee for the rental space. But otherwise, we're not in it um, to make money. I mean, we don't make hardly any money on Richard or um, Karen Dobson. It's just having that available to the public. And it seems to work out pretty good because Karen's been there as long as she has and so has Richard. So if anybody has an idea of a class or something they'd like to try, come and talk to us. If we can find the space, you know, I think we got, you know, swing dancing right now. And they're, they've been on and off. And they've taken some time off. They'll try to build up their numbers and then they'll come back and see us. But, you know, we're, we're a taker of all comers. Um, there's nothing that I haven't, you know, heard before that I wouldn't like to try. If it, you know, if the public wants it, we'll try to find some space for it. Very cool. And uh, do you guys keep office hours? Uh, how, how would people come in? So the office hours, like I said, we're the only office in Pickens County government that's open seven days a week. Um, we're open uh, We're open 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 on Saturday, and then um, 8 to 5 on Sunday. And like I was saying earlier, that those hours are daunting just trying to have a body there to you know, unlock the doors and make sure the bathrooms are serviced and things like that. But um, anybody who's wanting to talk to classes, they'll come see either me or Seth Boyd as my assistant director um, Monday through Friday from 7 to 5. Then we'll, we'll figure it out. If it has to be after hours, we can stay around. Yeah. Uh, you, you guys have clearly got your heart into it to uh, put all that in. You have to. Um, not only am I also an administrator, I'm also a coach. Um, I've coached. My son, um, when I originally took the job in 2013, my son was in either instructional league or he was in seven eights. I coached him all the way up. And then my daughter, who is now nine, she's played instructional league all the way up to seven eights. She plays um, softball. She plays basketball. She plays flag football last year. So I see it not only on an administrative level, but also as a parent, you know, wanting to, to coach their kids as well. So... And I also referee as well, which we won't talk about that much because <laughs> it can be different opinions on how good my refereeing is. So, well, I I think we've covered just about everything I wanted to talk about. Is there anything you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? Um, really, it's you know every year is a challenge to try to find coaches and volunteers, whether it's you know any of our sports. So if anybody even has a, you know inkling of wanting to put themselves out there to try to coach for the first time. Just come and talk to me or Seth. I know it's it can sound daunting because it's not only just the coaching, it's the communication with the parents, it's the communication with the kids. And but we can help you with that, and there's guidelines that we can help you with. If you're looking to start at maybe it's T-ball and then work your way up to seven-eighths, um, we're more than willing to help you, and we always need coaches. It doesn't matter. We always need coaches. And for those who are looking for an actual paying position, um, we need we need umpires, we need referees, we need scorekeepers. 
that's that's something that's just constantly churning through the recreation department. Uh, when kids, you know, start young and then they age out, we're constantly having to replace those type of positions at the recreation department. So if anybody's interested in a job, um, give me a call. If we have something available, I'd be happy to talk to you. Very good. Uh, for anybody who is interested, we'll we'll put all that information in the show notes. So check it out. Otherwise, uh, Brian, I, I appreciate you coming on, Dave. Thank you for coming out. Thank you very much. And I uh, hope someone found this enlightening. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we have a staff of nine and everybody loves the job that they're doing. And uh, we're in it for the kids. So oh, you heard it. If you've got a heart for this stuff, volunteer. Organizers, administrators, coaches, referees, maintenance workers. These guys do it all. And if there's something to take away from this interview, I think it should be that Parks and Recreation is one of, if not the hardest working department in our county. And for good reason. It's the role of any government office, any government entity, to provide the best possible service to everyone. And where do we want that more than in the spaces we choose to gather and be in community? Parks are a place we can take time to be in nature, Feel the sun and get a little exercise. Community centers where we can vote, learn a new hobby, and build some skills. And our ball fields are a place where we can enjoy some friendly competition and help children learn some coordination and sportsmanship. In the hustle and bustle of life, it can be easy to take these things for granted, but we really should not overlook the resources we have at our disposal. If you have kids and you want to get them active, pop down and talk to Brian or Seth about the programs they have coming up. If you have a little extra time and you like sports, come fill out an application to coach a referee. Just looking to try something new or meet some people, check out the calendar, see what classes are available. The Recreation Department's leadership is sincerely devoted to serving the people of our community. If that's something you'd like to be a part of, I know they'd love to have you. All their information is down in the description, so give it a look and don't hesitate to reach out. But moving along, it's time for the calendar portion of our show, where we take a look at events coming up around the county. And speaking of the county, you can find the meeting schedules of all county government boards and authorities by visiting our website, pickensga.com, under the upcoming meetings section. This month, the Board of Commissioners will have a single work session and regular meeting, that being on Thursday the 20th. As always, this will take place at 4.30 and 5.30 p.m. respectively in the Commissioner's Boardroom. Now, beyond government meetings, the best places for info on community events can be found on the calendars of visitpickens.com and nopickens.com. And there is plenty to do this month, starting tomorrow with the Jasper Lions Club's 4th of July celebration. The Lions have got a full day of events planned, uh, starting with a parade at 11 a.m. Patriotic floats are going to wind their way through the streets of downtown Jasper, where they will be judged and later awarded prizes at the bandstand in Lee Newton Park. And Lee Newton Park is where you will want to be after the parade, because there will be a rotating list of ceremonies, including live music, bingo, raffle drawings, and a fair. Festivities are going to conclude at exactly 10.05 p.m. with a fireworks show you won't want to miss. So break out your best red, white, and blue, and plan on celebrating Independence Day in style tomorrow. And uh, I've got to say, Lee Newton Park has really got a lot going on this month, because this Saturday, the park will also be hosting the 5th annual Freedom Wheels Ride. Freedom Wheels is an event organized by the Sons of the American Legion, where in their words, any dang Jeep that resembles a Wrangler will ride as a convoy from our Veterans Memorial Park to the one in Somerville. Registration will take place the day of at 12.15 p.m. and run you $35, but you also get a free t-shirt and decal for participating. And I should also say that awards will be given out to the three most patriotic-themed Jeeps. 
so show some pride and get creative. And finally, Saturday, July 19th, the Community Thrift Store will be hosting its Christmas in July event. This is going to be a lively affair, as it will not only have Chris Kringle, but also Chris Stancil and Jeff Hall from the Sheriff's Office. Those two have graciously volunteered to take a pie square in the face uh, as part of a fundraiser for Sheriff Craig's Shop of the Hero program. If you happen to be in county offices between now and then, we are going to have a donation jar that you can contribute to at the front desk. But the day is going to have more in store than just mere pie throwing. There will also be some live music, a kid's zone, and a cornhole tournament. If you're interested in participating in the tournament, it will be a team sport with double elimination and a minimum of two games. Registration costs $20 per team, but if you make it into the top three, you'll walk away with a cash prize. For more information, visit their website, PickensCommunityThriftStore.org, and check under the Festivals tab. We're now going to wrap up with the question to the chairman part of our show, where listeners get to ask a question to Chairman Chris Stancil. So let's pop over and see what viewers wanted to know. So, uh, Chris, we've got a pretty timely question this week. Uh, Brian Jones was our Parks and Recreation Director, was our guest, and uh, this question actually has to do with the parks. Uh, the email we got says, Chris, I would like to know what the county's plan is for developing green space. I can remember hearing talk about it during campaign time, but I haven't heard much since then. With as fast as we're growing, we can't afford to be reactive to development, and if the county has a plan to build walking trails in public parks, I would like to hear the details. Thanks, Ray. So yeah, I think Ray's on to something, and this is something that's been in public discourse for a while now, but yeah. does the county have any plans about that? So <laughs> to, to open up the questions, it's kind of a plan for a plan, uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but I, it, it, it kind of builds on each other. So back in, in 21, we tried to work on creating a master plan for our, our anchor park, for Roper Park. Um, and that's where the facility for, for all athletics takes place. And it's our, our primary anchor park. And, and in that, that master plan process, the, the cost came in, you know, rather astronomical, almost 50% of our total annual budget. Um, so we started to try to go to the drawing board as to what portions of that plan can we start implementing now without any, any kind of a, a tax hit, without any kind of a burden to taxpayers using the, the allocated SPLOS portion of funds that, that were there. So 10% of our current SPLOS goes to Parks and Recreation. So over the course of six years, assuming that sales patterns stay stay consistent, then that's about three, three and a half million dollars over a six-year window that, that goes into improvements for parks. So the, the board, when we met in our, our planning retreat last year, decided one of the things we wanted to try to take care of first is fix the few things that we need to make sure get fixed at Roper Park before looking toward going into the expansion. And I know that, that it sounds like it's kicking the can, but we're really not kicking it far down the road. It was just kicking it a year down the road. Um, so we moved forward with the lighting project um, that was close to a million dollar project to, to light all the ball fields that were there. Uh, we've also moved forward with the paving of the walking track, which currently going on right now. Looking at the, the next portion of, of that phase is trying to improve the bathroom facilities um, that are there, trying to work with, with how do we create a new one. I know anyone that's paid attention to social media, apparently parks and, and bathrooms and concession stands has become a, a vandalism target. So not only constructing, but trying to construct in a way to where they, they don't get vandalized and, and that we have some measures to, to help prevent that. 
Um, so those things we're doing first. Then while we're doing those concurrently, we have been looking at properties so that as those funds continue to accumulate monthly from the, the SPLOS revenue, we, we have funds there to either expand our current park or to start looking at, at, at additional passive parks on the, the east and west end of the county. I know that's gone on the last two election cycles. Um, there was my election cycle, and then when, when Commissioner Tatum and Tippins both ran, it's a very, very common topic that, that was discussed is people wanting to see expanded parks into other portions of the county. So when you look at active parks where, you know, you have organized sports, ball fields, things like that, then it puts a burden on parents as kids get spread out. And we've learned that a little bit this year because of, of utilizing the city fields um, at Jasper City Park. There were some families that had kids playing in both both properties at the same time and so it put a burden trying to figure out how do we go watch one kid get to the other side of town even though they're both you know centrally located in town so the initial thought is to try to create more of a passive park environment that walking trails uh playground multi-purpose field that you know just a, an organized or not necessarily an organized but just a, a place where kids could go and 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 play uh we've also had a lot of pressure uh, or concern, not necessarily pressure, from the, the pickleball community wanting expanded areas to play pickleball. Um, recently, you've seen a tremendous amount of, of attention on the pool um, that has, has started to sweep through social media. Uh, the cost of, of repair for the pool that's been there for a couple decades, uh, I can remember as a kid, so actually more than a couple decades, I can remember swimming in the pool as well. Uh, the cost for repairs is is reaching now into to a seven figure because the, you know the pumps and leaks and and things of that nature. So before spending that kind of money on repairing a, a pool that's that's you know served a, a a great life in in our community, we we're trying to look at okay how far short are we from being able to build a new one? Um, and if we built a new one, what would that look like? You start hearing people wanting indoors so that that competitive swimming and uh, then, then your cost starts to multiply significantly. Uh, this has been something that the board has, has spoke about. I mean, we've, we've constantly engaged in conversation as to what's the next best step, what's the best way to fund it, and what's the best way to, to provide uh, something we can all be proud of and, and to go forward with that. And, and one of the things that we were planning already when, when we get late summer, early fall, is to host a town hall meeting so that we can listen to everybody's concerns and we can talk about potential options because there are, I mean, you're, you're limited with budget with what we currently have. You'll have an upcoming SPLOS cycle um, that will be in 26, I believe, uh, that, that will have a referendum to move forward. There's other options as far as if a, a T-SPLOS was passed, then that would increase the amount of revenue from SPLOS that could go into parks. Uh, some counties have went with park bonds, which is is just taking on additional debt and and trying to trying to pay that through either a millage increase or some kind of an offset. Um, and so there's a ton of options um, as to to how do we move forward, how do we provide a better uh, a better park experience for for people, not just at our Roper Park location, but at the potential of expanding to a park on the east and the west. But they're not inexpensive at all and so trying to juggle the the keeping the millage rate as low as we possibly can while providing the best services that we possibly can has kept that 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 tension i guess for lack of a better term um strong 
So we will be having, uh, like I said, we will be having a town hall. Uh, this has been something that's been kind of in conversation. It's it's one of the worst seasons to try to host a town hall. Uh, summer break when people are on vacations. And so we were trying to catch that toward the end of that summer break after school has started. So late August um, is, is the time period that we're looking for. And we'll definitely promote and push that. And the whole point of that town hall is to gather feedback. Uh, we'll present some of the ideas that we've discussed. <clears throat> we'll present some of the options that that you know have have kind of been a part of our brainstorming sessions. Then we'll take the information from that town hall and when we move into our planning retreat at the first of the year, first quarter of every year, we do a planning retreat and try to come up with how are we going to implement this plan. Um, what are going to be the steps to try to put that in place? So January to February, we would really kind of sit down and 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 iron out. The, okay, here's the next steps. Uh, now that we've we've improved good portion of, of Roker Park and uh, kind of came forward with a little better plan on that piece of property, how do we move forward and how do we take it to to the next step without putting a burden on taxpayers? Um, and in the in the same process, so it's just one of those juggling acts. I mean that. Almost any time you talk or you look, uh, I think right now anyone that wanted to go research Lumpkin County currently has a, a pretty expansive park project that they have underway that's phenomenal, but it was part of a, a larger SPLOS project that they've been saving toward for, for years. The SPLOS that we currently have, each of each of the, the members of the Board of Commissioners inherited from, from prior administration, there were already plans and, and uh, in how that's, how that's been allocated, so we've got that 10% window which $3.6 million sounds like a tremendous amount of money. But every time we've took a look at, at um, engineers and, and different drawings and, and architects and things that, that, that we could do to, to completely transform the park, it was, you know, 11 to $14 million. So we've, even though we've got a lot, that lot really only puts in, you know, a third of, uh, of what's there. A couple of other counties around us have been building large pools recently, and I think the the latest estimate I saw for one county was right at four million dollars uh, for the pool that they were putting in. So we're trying to trying to be very cautious not to not to get in over our heads or not to put a burden on on taxpayers without having a true plan for how that's going to be funded and paid for. Um, but we are constantly having this conversation this isn't something that's that just went away at the end of, of campaign seasons we're just trying to make sure that the next steps are there uh, the county has in terms of protecting green space uh, if you if you look at the burnt mountain area the burnt mountain um, portion of, of pickens county the county owns a tremendous amount of land uh, that was that was purchased and put into a conservation to protect it as green space there's hiking trails that are that are there now um, so we, it's not something that's been ignored. That is something that has been, been put in place as far as a passive high control park. They are, are pretty steep. I mean, the elevation and terrain there is, is, is fairly steep, but it, it is a great outdoor recreation opportunity. Uh, and then it's something that we want to try to do on both ends of the county as well. We're just trying to, trying to time it well at the same time. Hopefully that's, uh, that's not a, a political dance around answer, but that is kind of the, the history of, of how we've we've led to, to, to get to this point. No, it, it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I guess just sort of summing it up, what I'm hearing is that uh, the commissioners definitely have a desire to expand parks on the east and west end. Uh, definitely want to hear uh, the public's opinion on it in the form of a uh, town hall. But right now, the main focus is on improving and just stewarding well what we have. 
It is. It is. And you see you see a lot of counties when they build a new uh, a new park or they build new ball fields, uh, a lot of times they abandon where they were before to move on to the new project. And, and that's one thing we're really trying to be protective of. The Roper family, when they made the donation of the property for Roper Park, that was one of the conditions that's, that's on the deed for the property. If it ceases to be used as a park, then it reverts back. Um, so we want to make sure that we continue to improve, we continue to honor, we continue to to make that uh, one of the best that we can. But we also want to expand, you know, what services we're able to provide and whether that's expanding uh, at the current location with trying to, to acquire more property or if it's moving to, to add in other locations. Um, both are a combination of the two, which I think is, is where the, the board has leaned in, in several of our conversations up to this point is to... Let's continue to expand in terms of the organized sports location that we have there, um, and create you know some of the best facilities we can. But let's let's not give up on providing something closer to home. I know that the walking path um, that's currently being repaved is is used from people all over the county. So if we can add some additional walking paths in uh, other parts of the county to to give them opportunities to to be closer to home, would be an incredible thing to to do. We just need to make sure that wherever that is, is somewhere that can be, can be kept up and, and something we can be proud of and, and not just a, a target for vandalism uh, because of, you know, the locations. So that's, that's our goal at this point. I gotcha. Well, thank you, Chris. I think that was a pretty detailed explanation. Ray, I uh, hope that answered your question. And remember, if you have a question for Chairman Stansel, you can email us at questions at pickenscountyga.gov. Or if your uh, question is concise enough and appropriate enough, we might just put it on the air. But otherwise, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of the Around Pickens podcast. I'm Graham Parker. And I'm Chris Stansel. And we'll see you around. Mm-hmm.